covenant. See if we can get there. It's one of those Bible words that we've lost over the years. And yet it's one of the most important words of Scripture to understand. Covenant is foundational to the gracious works of God. Understanding covenant is indispensable to understanding what we call the gospel and the benefits that come to us because of it. When we think of covenant, we think of an agreement. But in reality, covenant deals with much more. The word, the Hebrew word is barith. It's used over 286 times in Scripture. And it literally means a binding obligation. And it deals with relationships and it's based on promises. In the Bible, the ultimate expression of grace to define and confirm and establish relationship is called covenant. Through covenant, God desired to reveal himself to us and get us to respond to him in trust. Covenant is giving the whole of your life to another. And that other wholeheartedly receiving that life as their own. That's why when we talk about covenant, most of the time we think of marriage. It's the two becoming one flesh. God could do anything He wanted to with His creation. And yet He chose to enter into covenant with us. Not only do we not understand covenant, but we don't understand how before and beyond God is than, that we could ever come up with. So this morning, I, I just want to share with you something that I think is hidden in the Scripture and yet profound in its, its impact about covenant. About two weeks ago, Connie and I went on vacation, and we went to Alpine and, and, and Fort Davis, and we went to, and I found out that there's a lot of other people that know about Alpine and Sol Ross and, and all of that. We went to Fort Davis to McDonald's Observatory and went and took the tour of the telescopes and those things and even went to a star party. I stayed up late to look at the stars, and... uh I was amazed, but one of the things, not only was there the revelation of God, uh, of God's magnitude, of His creation, but He began to really speak to me about time, eternity, and as I was praying about this, about covenant. Uh, one of the big things is that, that I discovered the, the picture on the screen is the picture of the stars, and we'll get that in a minute. But did you know if we were to go outside right now and look up into the sun, the light that we see from the sun, literally, it took eight minutes to get to your eye. The light is there, but the, the time it takes for that light to, for us to see it is eight minutes. And the sun is 93 million miles away. So the Light, we call it the speed of light. Light travels at 186,000 miles per second. That means if you were traveling the speed of light, you could go around the circumference of the earth seven and a half times every second. That's pretty fast. Not only fast, but far. Well, 
The closest star other than our sun to us is called Alpha Centauri B. And it is 4.3 light years away. A light year is 5.88 trillion miles. In other words, it's the distance that it takes at 186,000 miles per second. It's the distance it takes for us to see the light in a year's time. In other words, the distance it would travel in a year, a light year. The closest star to our to Earth is 4.3 light years. That's 25 point something billion something something. You get the point. Long way. Now, here's the thing that got me as I was looking at this. And this star that you see, the brightest one there, is a, uh, is a star called Deneb. Deneb. It's the furthest star from the earth that you can still see with your naked eye. And it's somewhere between 1,400 and 3,000 light years away from earth. So here's what I want. Let's just take the middle Say it's 2,000 light years from the earth. The light that we see with our eye at the nighttime started shining when Jesus was walking this earth. We are now seeing what that shone back 2,000 years ago. And here's the thing, the point that I'm trying to make. We are living in the light now. Of what started thousands of years ago. And when we think about covenant. One of the things that we don't understand about covenant. Is covenant didn't start when man had a problem. Covenant didn't start when uh, God said. You know we've got a mess here. And I'm going to straighten it out. According to scripture. And that's where we're going to go. But here's the thing that, let me give you this scripture, Psalms 8, 3 and 4. When I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? When you think about what we have even every night, the witness of the stars and the heavens, you realize there is God in the midst of this situation. And you think, what has it got to do with me? Who am I that God would do this? That's what I want you to grab a hold of this morning. Not only who are you, but who God is that loves you so very much. God enters into covenant with us to reveal himself and to invite us to trust him. So I want you to look to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 and 21. Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. And I'm going to use this as a launching pad because there's a, there's a word here that I want you to see that, that's going to speak to covenant. Hebrews 13, 20. Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you 
through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him, all glory to him forever and ever. Amen. I want you to see that word that the blood of Jesus ratified an eternal covenant. King James and New King James use the word everlasting covenant. The passage says that, that God verified, he ratified, he verified and made effective an eternal covenant through Jesus' blood. Now, the Greek word for everlasting or eternal there is aeonus. We get our word eon from it. It means that without beginning or end, that which always has been and always will be. Now, think about it. It's talking about covenant that has without beginning or end and that which has always been and always will be. It's the same word used in John 3.16 where it talks about God loving the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have this aeonus life, eternal, everlasting, life without ending, but also without beginning. It has always been and always will be. It's God's kind of life. So when we begin to talk about covenant, we're going to have to understand that all the covenants that we find in the Scripture are but a progressive revelation, an unfolding of an eternal, everlasting covenant that the Father made with the Son and with the Holy Spirit before the world was made. Now, this is going to stretch your mind a little bit this morning, but I hope you hear with your heart. Scripture, I believe Scripture teaches that before the world was ever spoken into existence, God arranged the covenant of grace with his creation, with mankind, and all the details and results of the plan of grace had already been, have been arranged and settled from the beginning. Now, let me say this. There's no one scripture other than the one I read you that says this, but the, if you study scripture and as you look at the scripture as a whole, I think it will be seen to be clear. Let me give you some others. It'll bear it out. 2 Timothy 1.9, it's going to be on your screen. Paul spoke of this. He said, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time. To show us his grace through Christ Jesus. He also wrote to Titus in Titus 1.2, and he says basically the same thing. He says, this truth, he's talking about the gospel in which he lives. He says, this truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised them before the world began. Ephesians, Paul again. Ephesians 1.4 says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Jesus himself referred to it in John 17, 24. Pastor Chris referred to this one in his study on, on rest, entering the, uh, God's rest. Jesus, in his prayer, he said this, Father, I want these whom you've given, to, given me to be with me where I am, 
Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. Peter preaches at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 verse 23. And he stands up and filled with the Holy Spirit. He says this, but God knew what would happen and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. A prearranged plan. And then 1 Peter 1.20. Peter says again, God chose him, Jesus, as your ransom long before the world began. But he has now revealed him to you in these days. Where were you when Deneb, that star, began to shine in which you see now? It was long before we ever were around. And yet God not only spoke it into existence, but all of the subsystems by which it exists. What I'm trying to say is salvation through Jesus Christ was not an afterthought. It wasn't a fix-it plan. God, in His eternal purpose, He purposed before this world was ever in existence, He determined an eternal covenant. All the other covenants were but a revelation, a progressive unfolding of this everlasting covenant that had been established before time. That's why when Adam sinned, it didn't end it all. And he said to Satan, God said to Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. It shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. In other words, God had made a covenant and God's going to keep that covenant even when men sin. God went on, and we'll be talking about these more over the coming weeks. God went on to make covenants with Noah, with Abraham, with Moses and Israel, with David, and ultimately where we get our name, what we call the New Covenant, what is called the New Covenant in Scripture. But all of these other covenants were but parts of the revelation of that eternal covenant agreed upon in the Godhead. What? could that have been like? I don't know. But if you'll allow me, I'd like to use my imagination to to think of what it would have been like before there was anything. There was just God in the Godhead. God the Father. God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. And the Scriptures imply that they made an eternal covenant between them In them, in the us, before there was in the beginning God, before there was let us make man in our image, God made a covenant, a binding obligation to one another in the Godhead for the creation for mankind. What could it be like? I'm going to read it because I want to say it what I think it would be like. If you'll give me some liberty here just to imagine. Now, I wasn't there. You wasn't there. No, you can't say I'm wrong. 
You just may not think I'm right. What would it have been like to think about what our mind can't even conceive of an eternal God who binds himself to an obligation of relationship between the persons of the Godhead for you and me? Now, in my imagination, I can imagine the Father in that union of love in the Godhead saying to the Son, it would please me and glorify me for you, my well-beloved Son, to have a people countless beyond the number of stars who shall be one with you by an everlasting love. They will be as much like you as possible. I want them to trust you. They must be free to love you and to trust you. If they do not trust us, then I promise to preserve them and keep them and lead them until they at last see our love revealed. Then I will present them before my throne without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. I covenant by oath and promise. I swear by myself because I can swear by none greater that these whom I now give to the Son shall be loved for all eternity. These will I adopt and make my sons and daughters, and these shall reign with me through the Son for all eternity. I can imagine the Son speaks up in response. My Father, I don't count equality with you as something that I have to hold on to. But in the fullness of time, I will become a man like them. I will take on their form and their nature. I will live in their world and for my people. I will keep your word and will perfectly. I will keep your word and your will perfectly. I will reveal you to them in love and demonstration. If they choose to turn away from us, I will bear their rebellion and sin. You can be sure that I will take on all their debts. The pain and cost of their peace I will endure, and by my stripes they will be made whole. Father, I covenant and promise that I will be obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I will endure the curse, even if it means becoming a curse for them. I will redeem every one that you give me for your glory. I will live again, and because I live, they shall live also. I will raise them up and present them to you, a people, holy, blameless, in love. God the Father, God the Son, and you know the Holy Spirit's just going everywhere around the circle. You know, and I feel sorry for the Holy Spirit because He's the one that deals with us. But as he heard the Father and as he heard the Son, I can imagine the Holy Spirit then says, Father, you are to be glorified and Son, you are to be lifted up in power and honor. I covenant, I bind myself to you. All that the Father gives to the Son, I will make alive. I will draw them to you. I will awaken them to their need of redemption. I will cut off from them all God, groundless hope 
and destroy all their security in believing lies. I will bring them to the sure sacrifice of the Son, the blood covenant. I will open their eyes. I will give them faith to receive and respond to the Son. I will work in them every grace. I will write the law of love on their hearts. I will open their minds to be renewed. I will keep their faith alive. I will cleanse them. I will teach them. I will guide them. I will gift them with your love to love you back. They will shine like lights in the darkness to the glory of the Father and the Son. And all of them, in the midst of the love relationship in the throne room, I can hear the Godhead say, let us make man in our image according to our life. And he spoke it all into existence. But before it all, he had made a binding obligation, a covenant that he would perform. Can you imagine the glory of that place? And when you understand that this all took place without us, Apart from us. In fact, the only thing that it could say it was made with us is in that it made with Jesus who was to become one of us. He represented us in the covenant. When you understand this, then John chapter 6, verse 37, where Jesus says this, it takes on new meaning. He says, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but I should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me. That everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. You say, preacher, what does this have to do with me? I think God's giving us all of this to bring us to a place that we will see the Son. We will understand, we will come to trust in the God who started it all, who initiated, who performed it who is still performing it. We're still living in the light of that covenant that was made before the world began, before time. He knows. All God wants you to do is trust Him. The work has been done. All He wants you to do is trust Him because He knows that what you trust rules your life. You live by what you believe. What you trust. All that was needed has been done. Provision for you to know God was made before the foundation of the world. God would would have to cease to be God for any one of you who've been drawn to Jesus not to find full forgiveness and fellowship with the Father. I don't know about you, but the question then comes, Why would God do this? 
Not just that we don't deserve it. You do realize that no other religion in the world has even the beginning of a concept like this. All the other religions depends on you acknowledging them. In God's covenant, He made this for you before there was a you. Therefore, there was a creation. Why would He do it? It goes back to last week. It's this kased. It's translated mercy. It's translated unfailing love. It's translated, I believe the best translation is covenant love. Loving kindness. Covenant love. The only reason behind his desire to make such a covenant at such a price to himself is his unconditional love for mankind. Let me go back to Ephesians 1, verse 4. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be wholly set apart and without fault in his eyes. Before the world was made, God loved us. Folks, listen to me. He doesn't love you if... He doesn't love you because. He doesn't love you when. He loves you. You didn't start this. This is not a negotiation. He started it and He loves you. His love is not conditional. His love is out of Himself towards you. Everything necessary for you to know Him and trust Him has been done, is being done, will be done. Why? Not because you receive it, but because He obligated Himself to it before the world began. Your salvation, your faith stands in one. Not only can He not lie, He'll never change. And what He said, He will perform. That's a good place for yay. He loves you, and He chose you in Christ. No other religion has even the beginning of this concept except Christianity. But there's a warning here. You've got to understand, if God made this before there was an us, this covenant doesn't depend on us, it depends on Him. If he made covenant before time and then carried out that covenant in time with mankind, then covenant was not a beginning point for a negotiation. Well, God, if you'll do this for me, I'll do this for you. This covenant is not negotiated. It's a, it's a covenant of grace. It's dictated. God says, I've done this. Now, will you receive it? Don't you listen to me. There's no other way for a man to be saved but according to that covenant. Man can come up with all he wants to. Man can, and he can, well, we'll talk about it next week, but he wanted to build a tower and become like God. 
See, man thinks he's a lot of things. And God knows we're not. When God says, I am, it meant you're not. So listen to me. The only thing that we have to do with it is either to accept it or reject it. Love has accomplished the incredible. Death for life. All we can do is either be aware of it, awaken to it, and receive it with thanks, or establish ourselves in rebellion forever by refusing it. Folks, listen, God's not going to send anyone to hell. They're choosing to go there. They've made their choice and decided God's not God. They are. And they're going to discover they're not. Grace has been offered as a binding obligation. And the Holy Spirit is here this morning to draw us to Him. He's here to open our eyes, to open our heart. He's here to just to tear down our idols and groundless hope in things that's not going to last. And to disrupt and to bring to nothing the lies that we believe we've based our life on. Because there's a covenant that's been made with God within himself that he will perform in us when we receive him. Now, I realize this is pretty heady stuff, but I want you to know something. It is the ground of your security, and it is God's guarantee to you that if you trust him, he will accomplish it. Holy Spirit, open our hearts, open our eyes, draw us to God's covenant love. Let me give you some homework. I want you to I want you to read Psalm one thirty six. Let me read the first verse of it in closing. Psalm one thirty six, because I want you to see what the scripture, what the psalmist knew that we don't. The psalmist one thirty six one says, "Oh, give thanks to the Lord for He is good for His mercy." That word mercy is kased. It's His covenant love. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for His good, for His covenant love endures forever. In fact, the word endures is not in Hebrew. You could say, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for He is good, for His covenant love forever. It is implied. I'll just, I can't just leave you with one verse. Let me read you some more. We got time. Verse 2, O give thanks to God, to the God of gods, for His covenant love endures forever. O give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His covenant love endures forever. To Him who alone does great wonders, for His covenant love endures forever. To Him who by wisdom made the heavens, His covenant love endures forever. To Him who laid out the earth above the waters, His covenant love endures forever. To Him who made great lights, His covenant love rules forever. The sun to rule by day, his covenant love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule by night, his covenant love endures forever. Listen, God's given us a picture every night. Go out and look. 
and you'll see his covenant love endures forever. The morning, this morning when the sun come up, his covenant love rules forever. The moon, the stars, his covenant love endures forever. How long has that star been there? 2,000 light years. His covenant love endures forever. Folks, God's not quitting. Let's not quit on him. Let's receive him. Open our hearts to him. Let him accomplish the fullness of his covenant love in and through us. Do you know that? Have you received it? Folks, listen. God's not changing his mind. The work is finished. The invitation is yours. His covenant love endures forever. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you recognizing that apart from you, apart from you, we have no hope. All of our dreams, all of our accomplishments, everything that we think that we can do, God, none of it measures up to what you have done. And we receive that this morning. And we invite you to fill us with your covenant love. Holy Spirit, do what you've promised. Fulfill the promises in us. Draw us. Teach us. Gift us. Grace us. Lord, we bend the knee because you are worthy and your covenant love endures forever. You've defeated all of our enemies. You've healed all of our failures. You've made us whole because your covenant love endures forever. We step in to the rest of your covenant love. Make it so in me. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand together with me? Would you take just a moment? It's 11.04, okay? we got plenty of time. Would you take just a moment and would you look into your heart and mind and would you just ask, have I received, have I really taken it? His covenant love. Have I really let him be who he said he would be to me? Or am I trying to make him over in my image? Am I trying to negotiate with him? Will I just receive? Will I receive him? Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.